Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. Everybody and welcome back to Wrong and Wronger. We thought we had gotten away, but then it pulls us back in like a demonic tractor beam. I am the host with the most, Dr. Steve Steve Olivas. He's the other one, James Breakwell. And James, man, I we, we just had a quick discussion before we started recording here about how how I'm jealous of how beautiful you are? I, I, what the hell is that about? I, I don't know. I can't explain your insecurities, so I guess I'll leave it to you, the psychologist, to put it out there. Uh, but as we all know, the only reason anyone turns into this podcast is to look at how good I uh, appear on camera. Even the people who only listen to the audio. The people who only listen to the audio can just visualize how beautiful I am. And that's, that's all we have going for us. Because let's be honest here, Steve. Our three listeners are not tuning in for our witty banter we we lost them all a long time ago so all we got left is the eye candy so let's work with what we got yeah the ones who do the audio only uh, i refer to them as those who are spared (laughs) but anyway this is the podcast where one of the hosts is indeed beautiful and i will let cooler heads prevail on deciding which of us that may be but where we talk about things this is sort of like seinfeld with one abrasive co-host and we talk about nothing we turn it into something and james we had no production meeting pre-show so let's have a production meeting on the fly what are we possibly going to talk about today well i'd like to pat ourselves on the back first for not having a production meeting how how much confidence do we have to waltz in here a podcast that we don't edit at all if you say it it's on there it's going out in front of our five listeners and with no fear we just jump in like yeah we can fill 25 minutes of dead air i'm sure we can do that Instead, Breakwell went on and on preening like 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 a tropical bird <laughs> and uh, talking about how awesome he looks. And uh, we all of the show prep just gone gone to the wayside. Well, I'm sure you had hundreds and hundreds of good ideas, and we won't just end up talking about your stupid ranch again. So please tell me what it was <laughs> you wanted to talk about today. <laughs> You know, I actually had a couple of good ideas, and I can't remember what they were, because our listeners keep throwing them out at us. And by listeners, obviously, we've only got Judy P. as a regular, but the ones that stop in here and there from time to time, they'll toss out a good idea, and I'll think, ooh, yeah, we could talk about that. I don't remember any of it, because I'm discombobulated by how you look, and you can decide if it's beauty or beast. Let's uh, let's talk about your traffic issues because you can't seem to drive down the interstate. You seem to have some real issues. So last week, <laughs> mind you, we could have possibly recorded. I, there was we a could have. we kept pushing back and pushing back and pushing back, and finally there was a day, and you're like, "I'll text you if I'm free." With just yeah. this giant question mark that I should be able to drop <laughs> everything if you should find a spare moment. So meanwhile, I was you know arm deep into like I had been going out to hardware stores all day. I didn't hear any. Anything, 
anything at all from Steve. And I had a room in the back of my house sealed off, you know, with, with insulation. Uh, I had to cut a pig door in it, so all of my animals were trapped inside. Then I get a text from Steve. Well, I'm stuck in traffic now. Let's record. It's like, what? That's not how this works. you got to give me a heads up. I, I, there's no stopping now. I'm in the middle of this. So, uh, so yes, I'm sorry I could not uh, accommodate your inability to avoid that traffic snarl, but it's always on the same stretch of interstate. Uh, so what's going on there? Can people in Tennessee just not drive, or uh, what's up with that? I tell you what, man, my wife and I talk about this stretch of road. We call it the Bermuda Triangle because there are 18-wheeler accidents I would guess three times a week might be a little high, but it's at least two times a week. Now, I don't even think three times a week is high. On one side or the other, there's a jackknife, there's a truck in the woods, there's something on fire, literally on fire. Where we were last week when I texted you saying, I have nothing but time, I'm willing, I'm, I'm eager to do a podcast, and you told me to pound sand. You said our listeners aren't worth it. I don't like any of them anyway. And that Judy P, I've never liked the cut of her jib. I don't even know what that <laughs> refers to, James, but you, you know, you're the English guy. But that uh, a truck had tipped over and slid along the interstate and rather than push it to the side, I guess it was loaded because they had like a bobcat and we and it took 90 minutes to crawl past this uh, behemoth. They were unloading the truck on the interstate. So I guess they had no choice, but it's amazing to me. And I had a long distance trucker on my show, the commute, my real show, my good show, the show that has quality that people listen to because I don't have a co-host bring me down. <laughs> and I, I said to him, I said, I have noticed, and I don't know you, James, how much time you spend on the road because you're working at home now, but 18-wheeler drivers have gotten suspiciously lax over the last year or so. And just this morning, I'm driving in, and there's an 18-wheeler that's like like swerving back and forth down the middle of both lanes of the freeway. And I'm like, what is going on? I don't know if they're hiring anybody right out of the asylum to drive these things because there's a, work, a shortage of workers, or if there is something different in the training protocols. But my gosh... That stretch of highway, I think if uh, we can give a reason why that stretch and no other stretch, we're sort of in between two areas where drivers have to kind of pay attention. Nashville is one, and then Jackson, Tennessee is another kind of metropolitan area, and we're kind of in the dead center of both of those. And so I think the drivers have a moment where they can drift a little, and their mind wanders, and they might doze a little bit and drive off into the woods. Like, we've seen some stuff, man. But that's the deal, and it happens all the doggone time. Well, first of all, I would like to defend truckers. They are upstanding human beings. I don't know why you would insult them in their training, despite the fact that I literally insulted every driver in Tennessee a few minutes ago. I would never insult truckers in general. That's where I draw the line. Uh, but I, for one, cannot wait for self-driving cars. I can't wait for that to be a thing of the past where we can just drift off in per you know, on purpose. Because I am sick and tired of paying attention when driving or when doing anything else, quite frankly. I just want my mind to wander all the time. I want to go to sleep at the start of a road trip and wake up at the end of it. 
Uh, I want my packages to be delivered in like 96 hour marathon trips from California to New York with no drivers in them. That's the world I want to live in, Steve. And your stretch of interstate is bringing us down because if we can't keep the trucks on the road, if they keep flipping over for no reason, it's just not going to work. And that's very upsetting to me. Uh, I also love that you get stuck there, that you've, for one, you haven't given up on that stretch of interstate and tried the back roads. And two, that the exits are spaced out that far, that you haven't tried to make an illegal U-turn, get to the other side and go you know you know get off that way or or anything else you just when you're stuck for 90 minutes you're stuck for 90 minutes you just sit and uh i don't know what that says about you but it says something oh it says we don't live in the country we live in the country <laughs> that's what it says and it's always a single vehicle accident it's just the truck so uh, there's a lot of drivers either doing some very dangerous things or falling asleep or zoning out or something. I don't know. Maybe it's like a, a stretch. There's so little there. That's where the semi-drivers do like their drag racing or their stunts. You know, <laughs> watch me watch me do a figure eight in the interstate. And Ten seconds later, they jackknife and block six lanes of traffic. Yeah, it's like the compulsories at figure skating events. Sure. It they gotta figure out how to drive on two wheels, how to pop a wheelie, how to yeah slingshot the back around the front and then back. I get it. There, it reminds me of uh, Missouri. I think I've told this story before, but all my stories are wonderful, and people like hearing them more than once. But I, there, I, there's a there's only one north south or one east west interstate that runs from roughly St. Louis to Kansas City. Seventy, and, yeah. And. Uh, the one time we were going there, we went to get our, our stupid dogs when we got them. We were young and childless. My wife and I drove out there and back in one day, and it's supposed to be an eight-hour trip each way. And uh, we got to that interstate, the only interstate through that part of the state, and they closed off all westbound traffic. Eastbound lanes got two lanes. Westbound lanes gone, got none, and there was no posted detour. There was no sign. They just had a guy. You pulled off, and there was a guy, and you told him where you were trying to go, and without a map, just based on his local knowledge, he'd kind of point off yonder, and that's how you went. And this was back before we had a GPS in our car. Like, we printed out uh, MapQuest directions, so it wasn't like we could run home to our printer right. and, and do it again. And, uh, and yeah, I actually pulled out the Atlas, and it turns out Atlases, those are the, the big state-by-state -state ones, they only go down so low. Like, they, they right. don't have every gravel road in there. They only have the bigger roads. I didn't realize that until that day where I had to rely on all the gravel roads. And I thought, well, it's not a big deal because gravel roads are laid out in a grid not in missouri my friend in missouri they just kind of weave wherever they want and they curve if there's a creek or a crotchety old man who wouldn't let you build across his property or a really cool tree or whatever else they were going on and there was just no rhyme or reason for uh for how they were laid out and quite frankly it's a miracle that we're not still stuck there on the back roads of missouri today i don't think i've ever heard that story so if you have told it it was not on this show well, my, I, I try to save all my best stories for everywhere other than this show because, you know, other places people I might actually not. hear it. So that would make Listen, sense. The content speaks to that point. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the old codger, he'll give you directions that are based on landmarks that only people who live there understand. <laughs> he'll be like, yeah, you know, the, the really cool tree. And you'll be like, yeah. And he'll be like, well, it, it's not there anymore. But where it used to be, that's where you're going to want to turn right. <laughs> Like, okay. Was... I tweeted a few weeks ago. I can't remember if I said this on this show or not. Sorry. But uh, Mrs. Steve out in the country was meeting somebody buying something on, like, the local Facebook marketplace. 
and where they said they would meet her is where the library used to be. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Anyway, what were you going to say? Well, I, I love that the one thing you're missing there now is the library. If there's one thing that <laughs> Rural Tennessee could decide to do away with, it's the library. Um, I, I don't know. I had some excellent story, and I just lost it. Uh, so I guess we're just going to have to move on, and we will forever wonder uh, what, what excellent point I was about to make. What were we saying before the library? What were we talking about? Your Missouri story and gravel roads and getting lost and the way that people in the country give directions. Yeah, I, uh, it's gone. Maybe it'll come back later, because you know what? I'm sure that's the one remark that would have made or broken this podcast, and now we're just going to have to uh, toil around obscurity for forever without that. Oh, that's Boy, devastating. We had such high hopes for this podcast when it started, like uh, what feels like 100 years ago. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't I mean, know if you remember. It really was an ideal James Breakwell. It was almost a hundred years ago. It was it was two, which in Steve years is about fifty. You no, no, definitely are that. aging me prematurely. Prematurely, yeah. No, we're like four years in, man. Are you kidding me? No, look at how many episodes we've got. It's That's... over. It's two hundred, <laughs> isn't it? That is the most depressing thing I have ever heard. <laughs> Oh, I remember what I was gonna. I mean to bring you down. <laughs> I remember now. It was a uh, it was a stupid running story. We'll 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 we'll, we'll pair up my, my my Missouri story with another running story I've told before, but also probably not here. But in college, uh, you know, we I, I went to college in the middle of nowhere, and there weren't woods or trails or anything. There were just country roads that stretched out in every Frankly, direction. There's not for even forever. a college anymore. But yeah, correct. There's not even a college anymore. Uh, but. Uh, they at least were semi-grid-like, but our coach would tell us, like, where to go, and, like, there was this one, he'd tell us to go run on Roundhouse Road, and then he'd get mad when we couldn't figure out what he meant. Well, first of all, there is no road called Roundhouse Road, and second of all, the road that was not Roundhouse Road that used to have a roundhouse on it no longer had a roundhouse. I don't even know what a roundhouse looks like. By the time I got to college, it was not there. I remember one day we were going... And um, everybody failed to turn on this non-existent road with the non-existent landmark, except for me, because I was so far behind the other runners that when he pulled up in his truck, he told me the right way to go. <laughs> and I was like, all right, wow. I'm going to complete this course successfully. Uh, and that tells you everything you need to know about my running career. If you, are, if you are at all tempted to run at a collegiate level, I can't stress this enough, don't do it. Be lazy, sit around, enjoy four years of not being responsible, drink as much as you can, and above all else, avoid cardio exercise. That is that is your health wow. tip for the t- for today from James Breakwell. The more you know. Yes. Yeah. Right, you're saving lives, Steve. I've been lost in two marathons. <laughs> You've been lost in two marathons. That's that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. In fact, I just told this story the other day because uh, there's a big fire tower uh, kind of near our property, and I said to my wife and somebody else who was there, one of the contractors or something, I said, I ran a marathon once that had a fire tower like that as the turnaround point. So at after running 13.1 miles, you have to run up the steps like a 200 foot fire tower and then get your ticket punched at the top of the <laughs> observation deck and then run back down. But so it was through woods. It was the uh, like the Ice Age Drummond Trail in Wisconsin. Anyway, it was like trails as well as this like old railroad path or something. But the point is I got off the trail somehow and some guys I had run with off and on saw me and they yelled for me to come back. 
And in order to get back, I had to cross a little creek. And this is like, it's like this time of year, November or December in freaking Wisconsin. So I thought, all right, I'm just going to jump and real lightly kind of tap my foot in the middle of the creek to propel me the rest of the way across the creek. Except the creek was hip deep. I didn't realize that when I put my foot in it and I sunk up to my hip in freezing ice water and then had to run the rest of the marathon with that. And it was my fault because I got off the trail. And the only other time that happened was in the Louisville Marathon in Louisville, Kentucky. And part of the marathon went through downtown and apparently they weren't able to market very well because it was a live downtown that we were running through. And I had to have run a good half mile out of the way before I realized there should be more people around than this. (laughs) And I kind of retraced my steps and found the path. But that can be rough when you're out on a distance run and you somehow veer off course. It's hard to get back. Well, something has to be going horribly wrong in the first place. In a marathon with thousands of people, for you to be that far by yourself. Like, at that point, you probably deserve to be lost. It's just natural selection (laughs) kicking in. Natural selection. Well, maybe. There was one marathon. I've run, like, 30-some marathons. But we ran one in Tupelo, Mississippi in, like, August. I forgot what month it was in. But it started an hour before sunrise because it got so hot that they couldn't run it responsibly like near noon (laughs) so even starting at 7 a.m would have put like the stragglers in at like noon or 1 p.m so we started like 4 a.m in the pitch black in rural tupelo mississippi so tupelo mississippi has a decent downtown we were on the outskirts of that and there was a guy on a bike that we were supposed to follow his tail light Except these are on like rural roads. And if you can imagine running in the pitch dark in like your own tunnel, and I could hear people falling because they were hitting potholes and twisting (laughs) ankles. And it was the most bizarre scene. And I ended up getting the trots really bad that day because it was so hot. My insides turned to liquid. It was it was horrific. So I think what we can conclude from this is, one, your sense of direction is terrible, and two, running is an (laughs) awful sport. You put those two together, it's no wonder you ran for so long. Uh, Also, I've never heard of heat-causing diarrhea. That's uh, that's a new one for me. Oh, it's a thing. No, no, it's a thing. Well, You knew what the trots were, though. Why, Why do you think you get the trots? Uh, bacteria, diet, all sorts no, no, of no, things. No, no, not no. not running in heat. Your body's overheating. Your body's overheating. Yeah. Yeah. Usually at that point, you don't have any extra liquid. It's all coming out as as sweat. So I wouldn't think you'd have like this surplus of liquid in your intense intestines to fire out. But I guess you're the expert there. If I have a diarrhea question, I'm coming to you. I so appreciate <laughs> you being forthright with this, James, because. I don't like to consider myself an expert in many fields, but all of the maladies, ailments, and uh, just pain that's caused by running, distance running, I consider myself well-versed. Did you, um, I guess, is the fire tower by your house, do they still use it, or is it a relic from a prior era? Boy, that's a great question, actually. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I'm assuming they don't need it now that they have drones that they can just kind of set mm-hmm. out. So I would guess it's a relic. 
those fire towers are cool. There's one in a county park by where I grew up, and I, they're super tall and super dangerous, and they give you an incredible <laughs> workout walking up to see the view, and you get up there, and there's just a bunch of trees, and then you, you walk back down. But, <laughs> disappointed and angry. Yes, it's like, thought there'd be something cool up there. This is, it's the same trees you saw below. It's just, you know, they're, they're further away when you get up to the top. But I, I guess before the era, even where helicopters were like uh, available, like now every city has life flight, several helicopters. Mm -hmm. um, but now we have drones too, that the forestry department can just send a drone up in the air if they need to see what's going on. But back in the day, I think in heavily forested areas, those were necessary just to orient firefighters or to try to find people who were lost maybe, I don't know. There was, a, in my hometown, there was actually one fire station that was built with like a three-story tower. So you could just go out and look across the town and see what was see what was burning. And that seems like a, a super inefficient process, especially since based on the building style. I, was, I would guess that this thing was built in the 70s or 80s when telephones definitely existed. So I don't know why they needed to have a spotter up there. My guess is the firefighters just wanted a discreet place to sneak off and smoke. Like that, that's my best guess. <laughs> Well, in the 70s, you didn't need discretion. You would light up right in the dugout during a baseball game. Like, there were no holds barred. And it didn't give anybody the trots. That is not one cause of a terrible, wow. terrible health habits. But yeah, I'm kind of, uh, of all the things that we've done, all the changes, I am kind of glad that smoking's been pushed aside. I, there used to be a, a bowling alley we'd go to, and bowling was an okay time killer. There was nothing to do in my town. But every time you walked in, you would walk out just reeking of cigarette smoke, and you had to pretty much burn everything you wore there. So I do like the fact that in this year of our Lord 2021, you're pretty much never going <laughs> to walk any place that makes you smell like smoke except for casinos in vegas you can still smoke there and it was kind of jarring i felt like i'd gone back to the 1950s because it was the only place i could remember in the last like 10 years where people still openly smoked in, an, in a uh, public venue yeah you and i are a little too old to go to nightclubs or I, i'm guessing there are still some bars that'll allow smoking just because they don't want to piss off their patrons but you're right. It is rare and noticeable when you see some place or somebody doing it. Yeah, definitely a throwback. I don't know that I was ever in the in the era where you could smoke in a dugout, though. I don't think we were ever quite uh, quite that extreme. Although, although oh, no, no, there have been major league baseball players and managers who would Chuck Tanner, uh, Ted Simmons, like those are the two that jump out at me. But that would smoke in the dugout, yeah. Well, that's uh, my first ever published article, uh, comedy article, was about how baseball is not a sport. I mean, that's exhibit A right there. If you can sit there <laughs> in the dugout smoking and then go out and perform at, like, the highest level of anybody at the sport, clearly this is, this is not requiring much physical exertion. There was a, a baseball pitcher for the Dodgers in the 80s named Terry Forrester, and David Letterman referred to him as a gelatinous tub of goo. <laughs> and I think that's all you need to know about Terry Forrester. But what was I about to say? Ah, Everybody's oh, losing I, their train of thought today. No, I had. I, it's been queued up for a while, but I think I've told this on this show. My pediatrician who wasn't a pediatrician per se. He was the town doctor in the little farm town I grew up on. In. And uh, so I saw him as a kid, but he would smoke in the exam room. Like there was an <laughs> ashtray on the little desk he had in the exam room. I still remember that. That is, uh, that is bold. That was well after the era when people knew smoking was bad for you. And he just didn't care. He's like, you know what? You got to pick your vices. This is mine. Take it or leave it. 
And I don't well, know if that would... no choice, because yeah. he's the MD in town, yeah. That's true. So if he's going to be stuck in that town, he's going to kill himself slowly, and you're going to deal with it. So I can respect that. <laughs> I mean, also, he had, to, he had to treat you. Like, he probably saw you naked. So, I mean, that would, that would probably drive most people to a lot worse than smoking. So good on him for stopping there. Well, it hasn't driven Mrs. Steve away. What do you say to that? Well, I'd say that she probably makes you keep your clothes on, and I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah, or uh, she just squeezes her eyes shut real tight and says there's no place like home and clicks her heels together. Yeah, I I assume in the the new Rattlesnake Ranch you're adding all these extra bedrooms because you will be residing in separate cabins with a (laughs) moat between them, and she will be so much happier. (laughs) With Jake from Snake Farm guarding the moat. I tweeted yesterday that I had a ceremonial first pee in the new toilet oh. in the big cabin, and that is probably the last time I will ever pee in that toilet because I'm going to be peeing outside for once and for all forever. Okay, that took a direction I did not expect, and there's going to be a lot to dig into there. Are you just uh, swearing off the indoors now? There's no reason to pee indoors, James. What possible reason would one have to pee indoors? If one didn't have to. I, I don't know that I have to actually answer that. I mean, if you want me to list out the advantages of indoor plumbing, I mean, for Zero. one thing, we'll just start with the easy one. Sometimes it rains. What are you going to do if it's raining and you have to pee? Oh, James, it'll be raining, my friend. <laughs> I I hope you die peeing by getting struck by lightning and then snakes will eat your body. And I'll have an in-memoriam on Wrong and Wronger, and it will be our most listened-to episode ever because it will just be me and my beautiful face, and there won't be anyone here to talk about running trots. And that's really all we need at this point. Wow! We call that a callback in the improv comedy world. Well, I got to call us back and forward out of here because I got to go. I ain't got the trots and James, frankly, ain't got the beauty. But until we meet again next week where we will continue this and many other conversations that all of us, me, James, and you, listener, er, will regret immediately and wish we hadn't had. But this is Steve Alinez, Dr. Steve for James the Exploding Unicorn Breakwell saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, thanks for referring a friend. I don't know who I'm talking to. And until we meet again, remember, as always, two wrongs can make a right.